How should we use collections in a data model? Hello, my name is Eric Normand, and this is my podcast. Welcome. I'm doing another car episode today. So I've been working on my book, and I've got a whole table of contents now. Obviously, it might change, but it's good for now. And one of the things that I need to talk about is collections in a data model. So what am I talking about? So we've been using the example of pizza. I think it's a pretty good uh, system to work with because it's a domain that we all understand pretty well. We've all had a pizza before. And so it lets us jump straight into the encoding part of data modeling, which is where you already know your domain, you already have your concepts pretty clear. You just need to write it in code. Okay, so in a pizza, you can have multiple toppings. In the example we're using, you can have up to three toppings and there's four choices of topping. So how do you represent that? Well, one thing you can do is, is break it down by how many states are possible in this model, right? You have a set of possible in, uh, toppings for your pizza, and then you have this other choice of how many toppings you have. So one way to break it down to see how many, how many possible topping combinations there are is to do it as two choices. The first choice is how many toppings you want. Do you want zero, one, two, or three? Okay, and that's an alternative. You can't have three and two. So you have to choose one of those. And when we talked about this already, an alternative means it's a sum type, which means you're going to add the different uh, subcomponent, substates. All right, so once you've made this choice of how many ingredients you're going to want, then you have the choice of all of which ingredients those are. But those choices depend on how many you chose in the first step. So if you chose zero toppings, you just want a plain pizza, then you have no choices to make. So there's only one state that, you know, you've already decided it. If you have one pizza, then you have one choice to make. Which topping is it? Or sorry, not one pizza. If you have one topping, you have one choice to make. Which topping is it? Right, so if there's four choices, that means there's four possible states there. And just to keep track, we had one state from zero, and we have four states from one ingredient. And when you get to two ingredients, now you have two choices to make. So that's four, and it's in combination, right? They're not, they're not alternatives. You have to choose both the first one ingredient, uh, first topping and the second topping. And so that gives you 
a, a product type. So you're going to do four times four. That gives you 16. Uh, and please forgive me if this is maybe too detailed. It's so obvious. Uh, this is actually not obvious to a lot of people. And I want to be able to explain it to them. Uh, if you're already able to do this, then uh, this should just be a review for you. Okay, so then if you have three, you're going to have four times four times four. And so then you add those all up and you get the number of possible states. And this is ignoring some little details that we can get to in another episode. Uh, basically, there's the problem of like, well, if I choose uh, olives and mushrooms and uh, artichoke hearts, is that different from artichoke hearts, olives, and mushrooms? Uh, we've counted them twice, right? We counted it as two different possible states to be in when it's basically the same pizza, right? No one cares when you're eating the pizza, whether the mushrooms are on top or, you know, there's no order to the, to the toppings. So uh, we haven't dealt with that, and I'm, I want to deal with that in a separate, separate episode because it, it, it's, um, it's a complication. Okay, so this simplified model where those pizzas are actually different we have this number of states. Now you could represent this as I did uh, talking about it as a choice. So an alternative of the number of toppings and then some combination of other of, of choices of toppings, right? So it's like this nested thing where if you choose zero, then there's zero, there's a combination of zero things. If you choose one, there's a combination of one thing. If you choose two, it's a combination of two things. You could do that and you could precisely model exactly the kinds of uh, states that are possible. Uh, and, and stop at three, right? Uh, but Usually what we do is we, when we have a, a, a relationship like this, this kind of multiple choice thing, we use a collection. So a collection already has a length as part of it, like a size of the collection. And it can uh, have those... Um, toppings, the choices that you make kind of embedded in it. So uh, if you need to choose three ingredients, well, you just make an array of three different ingredients. It already has easy accessors for getting at each of those three. You can just index into the array. You can get the length. And so it's much easier to just use something that exists already. There's a whole bunch of functions already written for dealing with arrays and so why uh why reinvent this arrays handle it just fine now one reason you wouldn't you might not want to reinvent or you might not want to use arrays is that 
they can do so much more than what your what your needs are right so in our pizza case we only want up to three ingredients and arrays can hold many times more that than that and so now you have this new problem of somewhere in your code you have to limit the number of ingredients that go in right you have to have some way some runtime check that you, uh, that, you know, you're not, you don't have an array of four toppings because then, you know, you've broken your, your, inv uh, your invariant and you've broken your model. You've escaped outside of your model. So you need something else outside of that. Also, there's other things like um, arrays can concatenate, right? Or you can just do things to them that is not really part of your model yet. Like you, you have no, there's no notion uh, in your pizza model of concatenating two uh, sets of ingredients into a new set of ingredients. Like that doesn't exist, right? So you also have to start limiting the uh, operations that already exist for arrays and choose, you know, through discipline or something like, well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to call sort. We're not going to call reverse. You know, you you have to just start limiting what is um, possible to be done on this array uh, it, it, when you're using it as a list of toppings. Uh, and so those are the reasons you do it, but those are actually pretty easy to do. And if you kind of wrap up the pizza operations, the operations on a pizza, like adding an ingredient, removing an ingredient, uh, and just say, well, we're just going to treat it not like an array, but like this topping list. If you wrap them up and you focus while you're doing it and you you just get it right, test it well, whatever. Uh, you can avoid uh, other places in the code that are going to treat it like an array and do whatever they want to it, which might not make sense in your pizza domain. Okay, so uh, that is uh, when we will have a kind of one-to-many relationship uh, we often jump straight into collections uh, there's different kinds of collections and that's kind of what i want to get to in another episode that maybe you want collections that uh, maintain the order or don't maintain the order and this is kind of a uh, an, another level of data modeling where you start to think about basically equality and how equality uh what does it mean for two pizzas to have the same toppings right it's basically they have equal toppings and does my data model represent that and am i really counting the states properly that i consider different states okay we'll get to that in another episode uh I also, in this episode, want to talk about many-to-many -many relationships. These are typically hard to do with 
something like a like a bunch of pointers, a bunch of references, and an object-oriented model, because the keeping the the pointers bidirectional in sync is really hard, and that's typically what people try to do. That you have object A. Well, let's let's give an example. A uh, you have a student who needs to register for courses at their university, and then obviously the course is going to have multiple students, and so you have a student has multiple courses, course has multiple students. And you want to keep the references that they have to each other in sync. So it's kind of a one-to-many and, a, and an, another one-to-many, but it's got to stay, it's got to stay correct. So you don't want a student who thinks they're in the course, but the course doesn't think the student is in the course. So how do you do that? Well, in uh, using a, a collection of references, it's actually kind of hard. Uh, it's it's a it's a hard problem to make sure that as a student deregisters from the course, the course knows it, the student knows it. It's it's intricate. It's not impossible, but it's an intricate problem to solve. Uh, but what we do in a more functional style or a data modeling style is we use a collection that represents pairs. So you would have a, let's say, a set that is the registry for the university that has pairs of students and courses. And of course, we're going to name them. So we'll have like the student ID and the course ID in the pair, not the whole structure itself. And this registry just maintains a set of everyone who's in... Uh, everyone who's in who's registered for course so it'll have student with id one is in course seven and student with id two is also in course seven and now all you have to do is basically do a lookup like if you want to know who are all the courses in course seven you just go through the set and you filter out for the ones that are have a seven in the in the course spot and if you want to learn uh, what all the courses for student one are, then you do something similar. You just filter through all of the tuples for the, uh, the, the tuples that have a one in the student spot. And you're done. You don't have to worry about things getting out of sync because there's only one thing to maintain. The thing that makes it, I think, uh, a little difficult for object-oriented programmers is that they have this concept of has a, and a student has a course, translates very directly in most systems of object-oriented analysis into references. And if they have multiple courses, well, it's a collection of references. and you have to make this leap to say, well, we're not actually modeling the student, we're modeling the registry. So the registry can have pairings of students and courses. And that is a leap that it's hard to get to 
with the standard ways that people teach object-oriented programming. I'm not saying it's impossible. You could obviously make a class called registry and do that, but people want people want the student to have a field or a method called get courses, you know, and it will return all the courses they're in. And how do you do that? Because the student doesn't have a registry, you know, it just becomes this um this problem. And I think it a lot of it has to do the the reason it's a problem is it has to do with the the poverty of relationship type that people use in object oriented analysis. They basically use has a and is a. Right? Maybe they have has many, but it's the same thing. It's just a collection of is a, of hasats. And there's a lot more nuance to to relationships than just is a and has a. Uh, so uh, I want to go over that. I want to explain that like this is not this is not even hard, but you have to you have to free yourself of this is a has a and try to see that a that representing many to many relationships often requires stepping outside of the immediate uh immediate data entity right the immediate data structure and then it becomes very easy all right uh this episode has gone on long enough uh this is my name is Eric Norman this has been another episode of my podcast thanks for listening and as always rock on <laughs>